Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 203, and we're going to take a look at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Um, I'm going to try and make this one as short as possible because it is a long one, so I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit in terms of the data because I don't want to make this a super long episode. But again, we are going to be discussing the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. But first of all, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because as usual, you guys are awesome. We love to see you here online. Do check out our YouTube channel, subscribe and hit the notification bell. We love to see you guys there as well. And we are uh, uploading more and more videos there for you guys. So here we go. A big shout out to Oklahoma, California, New York, Virginia, Texas, Pennsylvania, British Columbia, Illinois, Oregon, West Virginia, Georgia, Florida, Indiana, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Ohio, Minnesota, Alabama, Nebraska, Washington, Colorado, District of Columbia, also known as DC. Let's see here, Tennessee, Rhode Island, Kansas, North Carolina, Nevada, Mississippi, Maryland, Michigan, Iowa, Alberta, New Brunswick, Louisiana, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Manitoba, Hawaii, Newfoundland and Labrador. In terms of countries, the United States, Canada, the Russian Federation, the the United Kingdom, excuse me, the Netherlands, Australia, Slovakia, South Africa, Japan, Denmark and Uzbekistan. Good to see all of you. Okay, so we are going to take a look at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. Very interesting here. I'm surprised there wasn't a little more data on it, but you know, it's one of those things we're covering things kind of in a general sense, not extremely specific. Um, but let's see here. Their common name is the is Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. Their abbreviation is ATF. Um this bureau was formed July 1st, 1972, but it actually goes back way further than that because it, its origins start out under a different name and for a different purpose and for a different reason. But, you know, it's very similar here with these different bureaus and agencies. They start out as one thing and then over time as our country grows and develops, the name changes because their job responsibilities change over time. You know, like for example, when there's prohibition, and then when there's not prohibition. So there are very much some things in this article and their history that that surprised me very much. So I I just thought it was its own agency, always, 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 and it was just completely on its own, and and that's that's not true. So just want to make sure that we have a clear understanding here on some of these things. Um, the preceding agency to this one, it was called IRS. Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Division. So this was under the the arm of the IRS, as creepy as that is. As of 2020, they have way too many employees, and this is going to explain why their budget is just ridiculously high and just overinflated. Um, they have 5,082 employees. That is way too many for this agency, and their annual budget, meaning this is money that they are just given willy nilly, like they don't have to prove anything. They just basically get get a nice big check from the congress and so i hope and pray that congress starts calling them out on this stuff because this is ridiculous so their budget the monies that they're given they were given in 2020 this is just one year of monies that they're given they were given 1.4 billion dollars that is annually that is ridiculous 
And that's not including all the money that they make off of all the guns and firearms, tobacco and alcohol and explosives that they confiscate from people. So you have to realize there's a lot of greed in this agency. It's very unfortunate because what they do is very important. It's just how they go about doing it is very corrupt. It just is. I mean, I'm kind of thinking, you know, is it as bad as the FBI? I don't know, but it's it's pretty bad. Um because these people, they've had some very bad scandals and for a good reason because they're doing scandalous things. But also they've kind of been given um a free pass to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. You know, in the name of fighting crime. Well, bull. I mean, These are citizens of the United States that act like they're better than everybody else because they've been given a badge, a gun, and authority and you know, you need to be careful who you put into power first of all. Well, who you elect, who you appoint, and who you hire for these different jobs because it really does matter. Now, in terms of the jurisdiction for this agency, it is predominantly just the United States because we typically don't tell other countries what to do with their firearms. because we don't have jurisdiction over that unless it's something that deals with the United States and a crime has occurred. Um this is a federal law enforcement agency, so sometimes you get some dirty cops and bad cops in there. Um they are headquartered in Washington DC. They have a big fancy building that we pay for. Um their parent agency is the United States Department of Justice, but that's only been since 2003. So before them, They were under the United States Department of the Treasury from 1972 to or sorry 1972 to 2003 basically the IRS. So kind of shocking there that this type of work would be considered part of the IRS, but there's a reason for that. I don't agree with it, but let's take a look at the history here. So it says the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, also known as ATF and sometimes referred to as BATFE, they they love abbreviations because they love to feel special, um is a domestic law enforcement agency within the United States Department of Justice. Its responsibilities include the investigation and prevention of federal offenses involving the unlawful use, manufacture and possession of firearms and explosives. acts of arson and bombings and illegal trafficking and tax evasion of alcohol and tobacco products hence the IRS gets involved in this pretty quick because the IRS loves money as well the ATF also regulates via licensing the sale possession and transportation of firearms ammunition and explosives and in interstate commerce you know that's why we need to be careful about our interstate commerce laws because you don't want the federal government um basically controlling your state because we have states rights like we we are one nation under god but that also includes the fact that we are multiple states made up of one country so we need to be aware of that it says many of the atf's activities are carried out in conjunction with task forces made up of state and local law enforcement officers such as project safe neighborhoods um i guess this is a, a project that helps keep neighborhoods safe and they try and prevent um the youth basically from getting into gangs and things of that nature and they're trying to um get guns off the street and help young people not be in gangs and and that kind of thing so they're trying to protect neighborhoods um again we talked about how many employees they have and then their budget is just ridiculous um a little bit of history here it says the ATF was formerly part of the United States Department of the Treasury having been formed in 1886 as the revenue laboratory within the treasury department's bureau of internal revenue 
The history of ATF can be subsequently traced to the time of the revenuers, however you pronounce that word, and the Bureau of Pro- Prohibition. So this goes back to people being against alcohol and punishing citizens for wanting, you know, a a glass of vodka. So basically punish people for trying to have any kind of fun whatsoever. Um let's see here in the Bureau of Prohibition which was formed as a unit of the Bureau of Internal Revenue in 1920. So there you know what's really sad is that whenever the federal government wants to really punish people but they don't want to have to hire a police force, they go to the IRS to do their dirty work. That is exactly what Obama did with Obamacare. Um he gave the basically the um the policing aspect of that law he put it in the hands of the IRS what else is new that is not the IRS's job the IRS already has a problem with an ego their own ego and with bothering and harassing citizens so why would you enable them to have more power you know you know the IRS it's just ridiculous because the more power you give to these federal agencies the less power and rights the american people have or the less likely the rights of the american people are protected by constitutional law which is very sad because you would think that since our rights are protected by the constitution you would think that agencies and other agencies like this would not have so much power but this is what happens when you get bad people in office and they they institute um powerful bureaucracies to to determine what is considered normal behavior for a government. So that's really disturbing there. That's why you have to be careful who you elect to office because who they appoint it really determines the trajectory of your country and sometimes the lawlessness that can happen. So let's see here. Um it was made an independent agency within the Treasury Department in 1927, was transferred to the Justice Department in 1930, and became briefly a division of the FBI in 1933. Why am I not surprised? Um let's see here, when the Volstead Act and I'm not familiar with that act, we'll circle back to it at a later time and discuss it. When the Volstead Act, uh which established prohibition in the United States was repealed in December 1933, thank goodness. The unit was transferred from the Department of Justice back to the Department of the Treasury. So now they're going to make even more money, right? So this is a perfect example where the federal government is a big fat glutton and loves your money. So this is why the power is with the people, not with the government because we the people are the government. So people need to wake up to that. Um let's see here, the unit was transferred from the Department of Justice back to the part sorry, back to the Department of the Treasury. where it became the alcohol tax unit so the government wants more money right uh alcohol tax unit also known as ATU of the Bureau of Internal Revenue um yeah the Bureau of Internal Revenue so basically um you have you basically have a government that's just moving a a department back and forth but regardless of where that department lands and regardless of whose jurisdiction it is under they want your money So they don't really care that you don't become an alcoholic. They don't really care, you know, that um to prevent you getting lung cancer, they want the tax dollars off of all of that. An example of that is the taxes that are on cigarettes. So basically, uh what government does, at least in the United States, is they basically find a way to legalize quote-unquote vices, but the only reason why they legalize a vice is so they can tax it. So, you know, don't expect your government to really care about you because they don't. 
So that's why you need to wake up to the fact that you have rights as a citizen, excuse me, not as like a government. Because we the citizens are the government and that's why you have voting rights and you need to participate in voting if you have that right. And I say if you have that right because there are so many people in the United States right now they do not have the right to vote but yet they're trying to get the right to vote in a very unlawful and illegal manner. And here's the thing, you break the law, it you're doing just that, you're breaking the law. It's not right. So, um I would greatly appreciate if more people um respect the United States and the law uh the law and the laws of the land. You know, because it would be like me moving to Mexico, not being a citizen and then trying to vote in every election that they have and, and try and control like a community or something. Sorry, that just doesn't work in Mexico. First of all, good luck surviving there with the drug cartels going on and whatnot. Um, but that's what some people do when they immigrate here to the United States. You know, they think that they should call the shots. I don't think so. You weren't born here. You're not from here. And if you're not legally here, you don't have a say. You know that's not that's not being hateful or being rude. It's just saying it like it is. It's no different than if you went to Russia illegally, and then you're trying to vote in their elections. Good luck with that with Putin and his goons. So I mean, just count your blessings, people. My goodness. Uh, moving on here, it says in the early 1950s, the Bureau of Internal Revenue was renamed Internal Revenue Service. which it's not a service to the United States at all and the ATU was given the additional responsibility of enforcing federal tobacco uh, federal tobacco tax laws excuse me let, let me get a drink of water the air is so dry here oh man the temperature dropped last night here in Oklahoma and it is nippy okay So they were given additional responsibility of enforcing federal tobacco tax laws. Basically, give us your money. We'll shake you down, you know, for smoking a cigarette. Um, at this time, the name of ATU was changed to the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax Division. Hence, they, they, you know, at least they're saying it like it is. They want your money. <laughs> they're not hiding the fact that they're going after the change in your pocket. At least they're being blunt about it, right? So um, in 1968. with the passage of the gun control act and I don't know what that is we will take a look at that in a later podcast the agency changed its name again this time to the alcohol tobacco and firearms division of the IRS and first began to be referred to by its initials ATF in title 11 of the organized crime control act of 1970 and we will talk about that later congress enacted the explosives control act we'll talk about that one later um which provide for close regulation of the explosives industry and designate certain arsons and bombings as federal crimes the secretary of the treasury was made responsible for administering the regulatory aspects of the new law which is stupid it just doesn't make any sense and was given jurisdiction over criminal violations relating to the regulatory controls these responsibilities were delegated to the ATF division of the IRS The secretary and the attorney general were given concurrent jurisdiction over arson and, and bombing offenses. So why the IRS um is being put in charge of some of this stuff is just weird. It's just weird. So this is a perfect example of where federal government gets it wrong, but they're still going to tax you. Regardless of how stupid their departments are being run, they're still going to shake you down for your change and the money that's in your pockets. So be aware of that. Um goes on to say in 1972 ATF was officially established 
as an independent bureau within the Treasury Department on July 1st, 1972. This transferred the responsibilities of the ATF division of the IRS to the new Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. Let's see here and moving on forward. It says in the wake of the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon on September 11th, 2001, President George W. Bush signed into law the Homeland Security Act of 2002. I don't agree with that at all. Homeland Security has been hell for citizens, not for terrorists. Um, in addition to the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, not a big fan of them either because of what they do. That that is uh, how do I describe this? That goes against Americans. You know, it's like when you go to um, you know the airport, you have these TSA agents. They're horrible to American citizens, but they're not really going after terrorists. You know, they're not they're not known as being nice people. So it's like, why would you sign into something? And this was a Republican president, mind you. Why would you sign something into law that punishes Americans for something that was not, you know, committed by an American? It just makes no sense to me. It's bizarre. But anyway, um, the law shifted ATF from the Department of the Treasury to the Department of Justice. I actually agree with that. because the IRS, you know, they're not the ones that should be in, you know, they they should not have law enforcement like this. Because it doesn't really have anything to do with taxes and it's it's not it's not dealing with income per se. You know, you know there's a difference between white collar crimes and blue collar crimes. And I think putting um this type of bureau within the IRS division, I think it's a conflict of interest and I don't think the IRS really knows how to fight criminals like that. That's just not their training. It does need to be under the Department of Justice because that that's more along the lines of military police and you know things of that nature. That I actually agree with because that actually makes sense, really. Um so going on it says the agency's name was changed to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. However, the agency still was referred to as the ATF, of course. Additionally, um they have the task of collection of federal tax revenue derived from the production of tobacco and alcohol products and the regulatory function related to protecting the public in issues related to the production of alcohol previously handled by the Bureau of Internal Revenue as well as by ATF and this was transferred to the newly established department. Let's see here. Now we're going to talk about activities from 1972 uh, to the year 2000s. um or to the year 2000 there were complaints against the ATF and these were valid it was really sad um uh, see cuz here's the thing the ATF is not known for being uh legal moral and ethical they never really have them and that's a big problem and i think one of the biggest reasons why they've had a problem with those issues is because they were predominantly within the IRS and the IRS is not known for uh its ethics or or its morals. I think the Department of Justice is a lot better at that. I don't think they're perfect, not by any means, but the IRS, you know, they're known for being weasels and they're known for being really hard on Americans and and being um well they're just known for being weasels and jerks. Um the Department of Justice, they're not known for that. And like I said, they're not perfect, but I think whenever you have an agency that is founded or formed or put in the control of the IRS, you can definitely expect a lot of problems because the IRS is not known for being ethical whatsoever. So I think that's where a lot of this stems from. It's not an excuse. It's just something that I have noticed over the years. 
So it says complaints regarding uh, the techniques used by ATF and their effort to generate firearm cases led to hearings before congressional committees in the late 1970s and 1980s. At these hearings, evidence was received from citizens who had been charged by the ATF, from experts who had studied the ATF, and from officials of the bureau itself. A Senate uh, a Senate subcommittee report stated based upon these hearings, it is apparent that ATF enforcement tactics made possible by current federal firearms laws are constitutionally legally and practically reprehensible that says a lot right there so no doubt it was a scandal it says evidence received demonstrated that ATF agents tended to concentrate upon collectors items rather than criminal street drugs here's the thing greed greed you know they have a problem there they love money just like the IRS in hearings before ATF's appropriations subcommittee however testimony was submitted estimating that 75% of ATF gun prosecutions were aimed at ordinary citizens with no criminal intent why am i not surprised see this is what is called bad cops this is also called policing you know there's a time and place for police officers of any uh, i'd say agency You know, there's a time and place for them to properly conduct investigations, but then when they're just targeting ordinary citizens, that's a problem. Because what's interesting is that ordinary citizens are a way easier target, and they are way easier to shake down by law enforcement than the bad guys. So it's like, okay, why do we have an agency that's making it a point to not do its job, not do it well? and they're shaking down the wrong people like they are doing bad things to just regular everyday citizens and making their life a living hell. Here's the thing, you know, we the American people authorized that. And you're probably thinking, "No, we didn't." Yes, we did. We did that by who we elected to office and then who we allowed them to appoint to to positions of power. And, you know, we allowed this stuff to continue to happen because sometimes we just think that owning a gun means you can do whatever you want, especially if you have a badge. And that's not true. You know, regardless of whether you own a gun because you are a police officer or a special agent or or a special agent or maybe you're just a regular everyday citizen, owning a gun is a serious responsibility. It just is. And so what's really shocking to me is that a lot of these federal agencies that have any type of law enforcement um I would say area to them they tend to have some bad cops in there and see here's the thing bad cops tend to promote and hire other bad cops it's no different than bad cops in a city or a town it's the good old boy system well if you don't stop the good old boy system and if if you're not taking ownership of these um I would say of these situations that are continuing to happen sometimes then that's the American people's fault. I mean, we are not as corrupt as like Jamaica or Haiti or South Africa or Russia, but I mean, we could do a whole lot better. You know, we definitely do have the right to bear arms and that should never be taken away from us. I'm just saying that, you know, when you own a gun, it's no different than owning a car. You are responsible for your private property and you have to know what you're doing with with whatever you have bought, right? And you have to take ownership of that. And you are responsible for it. So, it's not one of those things where it's, you know, I I I saw a video a long time ago where 
There are these stupid guys. They just go out in the country and they just start shooting at cans and trees. And I'm just like, do you realize, first of all, um, you're you're wasting ammunition? And number two, you could actually hurt somebody. Like if you want to fire your gun, fine, but go to a firing range or go hunting. You know, just make sure it's legal. Um, but there's some people they think that when they own a gun, oh wow, I'm free to do anything I want. No, you're not. You you still have to abide by the rules, laws, and regulations of this country. That's just how it is. I wish more people realized that. And sometimes cops are are just as bad, if not worse, about that than regular everyday citizens. So, because usually everyday citizens, just ordinary citizens, usually they are not the ones who are gun happy. You know, just like crazy gun kind of thing. It's usually dirty cops that are like that. So just be aware of that. Um, So needless to say, because ordinary citizens were being harassed, it says the Firearm Owners Protection Act of 1986 addressed some of the abuses noted in the 1982 Senate Judiciary Subcommittee report. Thank goodness, right? Um, this next one is really sad. It's the Ruby Ridge siege controversy. Wow, this one kind of shocked me a little bit. It says the Ruby Ridge siege began in June 1990. Randy Weaver sold two unregistered short-barrel shotguns to Kenneth Fadley, a, a ATF informant. So basically, that's entrapment. Like I don't agree with these agents, whether they're ATF or police. Like I don't like this undercover stuff like this because you're entrapping a citizen. And see, entrapment is illegal, and also it's it's immoral. Like it goes against God's law. Like you're not supposed to entrap somebody. That's wrong, but that that is exactly what our government gives itself permission to do. So this guy, um, unfortunately, Kenneth or not him, he's the jerk. Randy Weaver, he got entrapped by the ATF. Okay, this transaction was recorded and presented to the court. So of course the court is more likely um, if they can be bought and sold, they're going to side with the ATF. So who knows about all that? Weaver refused to face his accusers. That's a mistake. And became a fugitive from justice. He was probably very scared. He maintained the barrels were a legal length, but after Fadley took possession, the shotguns were later found to be shorter than allowed by federal law, requiring registration as a short-barreled shotgun and a payment of a $200 tax. You know, how do we know that informant you know didn't saw off part of the firearm or something? You know what I mean? And so, you know, here's another thing. You know, maybe this guy didn't realize what he had. You know, there's all these different scenarios. But here's the thing: you have an informant that is setting someone up for failure and, and entrapping them. And you know, I, I'm more inclined to believe the citizen because they're being entrapped, and it's not right to be entrapped. And let me get a drink of water because my voice is going out. Hold on, just a moment. So anyway, um, it says ATF filed. Firearms charges against Weaver, but offered to drop the charges if he became an informant. So if you do what we want, we won't send you to jail. So why don't you do what we want so you don't go to jail? Wow, evil, evil. Uh, after Weaver refused to cooperate, ATF passed on false information about Weaver to other agencies that became part of a misleading file. That profiled Weaver as having explosive booby traps, tunnels, and bunkers at his home, growing marijuana, having felony convictions, and being a bank robber. 
Wow, lay it on thick, ATF. <laughs> lay it on thick. See that that that's what's called uh, dirty cops right there. Let's just, you know, add everything that you can possibly add to make this person look horrible. I mean, it's just ridiculous what this agency did. It's it's shocking. At his later trial, the gun charges were determined to be entrapment, thank goodness, and Weaver was acquitted. However, Weaver missed a February 20th, 1991 court date because US probation officer uh, Richens mistakenly, yeah, quote, mistakenly told Weaver that the trial date was March 20th and the US marshals USNS was charged with bringing Weaver in. So now he's considered a fugitive again because that probation officer, I guarantee you, he purposely lied to him. You can't trust probation officers. They're 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 liars. Um Weaver remained with his family in their mountaintop cabin. On August 21, 1992, a USMS surveillance team encountered Weaver, a friend and family members on a trail near the cabin, resulting in a shootout that killed US Marshal Bill Degan, Weaver's son Samuel, and Weaver's pet dog. Wow. So is this the wild wild west? My goodness. Lack of ethics here. My goodness, by this agency. FBI hostage team or sorry, hostage rescue team members surrounded the cabin. That had to terrify the family. My goodness, these people are being harassed. <laughs> They're being harassed. The next day, um the hostage rescue team sniper uh Lon, how you pronounce his name? Horichi fired at Weaver, missing and killing Weaver's wife. So these people have now killed his son, the dog and his wife. Wow. A subsequent Department of Justice review and a congressional hearing raised several questions about the actions of ATF, USMS, USAO, and FBI HRT and the misleading or sorry, mishandling of intelligence at the USMS and FBI headquarters. Wow, several questions, huh? How about those people are fired? They took human lives. I mean, they acted like they're going after, you know, Saddam Hussein. These were US citizens that did nothing wrong, people. This is sad. This is sad. It says the Ruby Ridge incident has become a lightning rod for legal activists within the gun rights community. Well, why am I not surprised? Why am I not surprised? I mean, how would you like it if you lost your son and your spouse and your dog? I think that makes it even worse. Although animal life is not equivalent to human life, I'm just saying like it basically anything could be a target for for the ATF and the FBI. You know, it's just like you know, what are regular everyday citizens supposed to do when they're not trained like these federal agencies and they're being attacked? They're being attacked. They're not military people and it's just, you know, they're not in a federal agency they have not had the same training if any training at all and you know this agency blatantly lied about this guy probably lied about his family and then they shoot his son and his wife i mean wow really sick um moving on Let's see here i guess what happened between this is kind of funky Um it says between May 2004 and August 
ATF agents in, in conjunction with Virginia State, County, and City Police, so they're getting all the guys together, right? All law enforcement, all boots on the ground, conducted an operation at eight gun shows in the Richmond area to reduce straw purchases for criminals. I'm not familiar with straw purchases, so I'll have to look that up. In a February 2006 House subcommittee hearing, the show's owner said, quote, "People were approached and discouraged from purchasing guns." Before attempting to purchase, they were interrogated and accused of being in the business without a license, detained in police vehicles, and gun buyers' homes were visited by police and much more. Wow. That's called policing, folks. And you have the right to bear arms, and this is what the police and these people think they have the right to do along with the ATF. So if you think these people are pro-Americans that work for these agencies and these federal agencies and state agencies, if you think they are for the American public, oh my goodness, you are so wrong. These people, they think their labor and what they do is more important than everybody else's job, so then they give themselves permission to break the law or or to push it as far as they can. That's not right. And a lot of these people that work um as ATF ATF agents or police officers or enforcement that kind of thing, a lot of these are unionized jobs. A lot of them. So this is why they have or one reason why they have this sense of entitlement. And they think they have the right to tell other Americans what to do, you know, outside their home and inside their home. They do not have the right to do that whatsoever. It says here a gun salesman testified that he was singled out for harassment by two ATF agents. The owner of a gun shop testified that he thought agents questioned female customers too often. He said that times had changed and more women were shopping for guns, adding quote, "It seems however to be the prevailing opinion for law enforcement at the gun show that any woman who brings a male friend for advice or support must be making a straw purchase." In quote A private investigator said the NRA uh, contracted her to go to Richmond to investigate dozens of complaints by NRA members of quote massive law enforcement presence, resident checks, and minority buyers being followed, pulled over, and their legally purchased guns seized. Wow, policing folks, policing. The purchasers were compelled by an ATF letter to appear at ATF offices to explain and justify their purchases. ATF stated that this was a pilot program, yeah, that ATF was planning to apply throughout the country, hopefully never because it's ridiculous. In Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, ATF agents visited a gun show's customers' homes a week after the show demanding to see the buyer's guns or sell paperwork and arresting those who could not or would not comply wow the atf has done it again this is ridiculous so we have the right to bear arms but yet this agency thinks that only they should have guns gee uh communist china does that terrorists think that way dictators think that way i mean really like This is how these people behave. Notice they're not going to criminals' homes. They're not actually fighting crime. They're harassing and bothering just ordinary everyday citizens of the United States. That is a huge problem, folks. This agency should have their budget cut in half at least because think about it, that would still be half a billion dollars. These people 
are overpaid, you know, just harassing agents. They're not special agents. They are harassing agents. Maybe if they had lack of funding, maybe they would straighten up. But see, here's the thing. They, they go to Congress and get all the money they want. And here's the thing. That's our money. You know, it's our tax dollars. It's not their, just their tax dollars. I mean, hopefully they do pay taxes. But, you know, here's the thing. They just think that their agency can just write out any kind of check for any kind of amount. And that we, the people, should help them cash it and just hand over the money. I don't even think so. You know, I am not against this agency, not by any means. I'm not against law enforcement. I'm actually all for them. It's just it needs to be run correctly, and they're not going after bad people. They're going after good people. That is policing. That is harassment. That is harassment. So it's no wonder that agencies like this, just like the Department of Defense, they think they can get away with anything and everything, you know, because basically they can. Well, who enables them? Our federal government. The people who we elect to office when they don't do what's right. So please wake up to this, that, you know, agencies like this, they do have their place, but they need to be put in their place. And let me tell you, I guarantee you, whenever someone finally steps up to the plate and says, we are putting you in your place, I guarantee you, there is going to be so much squealing because these people are pigs. They've been feeding at the trough of the American taxpayer for years, decades, and no one calls them out on it. Well, let me take that back. The only people that do call them out are their victims. And that's if they have the courage to call them out and to say it publicly at a Senate hearing. It takes courage to do that, folks. It takes courage. And God bless those citizens. They went through hell because of the ATF. Um, let's see here. It says a September 2008 report by the Justice Department's Office of the Inspector General determined that 76 firearms and 418 laptop computers were lost, stolen, or missing, wink, wink, from ATF after a 59-month audit between 2002 and 2007. How much do you want to bet there was way more that was quote-unquote lost, stolen, or missing? I bet you there was way more because there is so much money to be made in firearms. You can't tell me the ATF isn't doing stuff wrong. You just can't tell me they're not. Oh, man. Now, let's see here. So there, there is a little bit of controversy about um, whenever they have a director. It's been very difficult for them to get a director to be confirmed because it's almost like it's the good old boy system. So it's like you don't want someone that's a nut that is completely against firearms, but you also don't want someone that's like thinks like some crazy stupid hick. That doesn't understand that we do have gun laws. They shouldn't be extreme, but we do have gun laws. And you, know, you, you can't be in the back pocket of the NRA. You, know, you need someone that, that's in the middle, that cannot be bought or sold. And I'm not against the NRA, uh, the National Rifle Association. I think that they do a lot of good. But you know, I'm saying that you know, we have to be careful who we put into a position of power or who we allow to be appointed to these positions of power because we want to make sure that there's not favoritism. Because you know, favoritism leads to problems regardless of which side of the aisle you are on. So we need to be careful about that. So they've had some problems with being able to find someone that actually um, 
doesn't have a conflict of interest kind of thing. Um, in terms of their training, that these special agents or whatever, they go through a two-part training program, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that. Um, they go through a criminal investigator training program, but I think it's kind of stupid um, because they go through a criminal investigator training program. They go through that, and then they go through a special agent basic training program, but yet they're still harassing Americans. They're still harassing regular everyday people, like they're not actually catching criminals, like they're not doing their job. So it's like, okay, what's the point of us hiring people to go through these training programs? And mind you, we we pay for their training. We're paying their salary. We're paying their health insurance, life insurance, 401k, their benefits. We're paying for this training program. What's the point of paying for all this if they're not actually going to use it to do the job that we're paying them to do? You know, it's just kind of like, okay, here we go. Um, more people just, you know, collecting a paycheck but not doing their job. That is typical for federal bureaucracies to do that. So just FYI, be aware of that. Let me get a drink of water. Hold on, just one moment. Okay, so talking a little bit about their organization, um, they do have uh, two directors. They have an office of staff, or sorry, chief of staff, excuse me, and then chief of council. Then they have a deputy director, and that is the chief operating officer. And what I've noticed with these chief operating officers, um, it's just really musical chairs because typically when people get appointed um, to these different positions, it's it's one of these things where they've already been involved in this agency and they just kind of move people around like musical chairs, but it's really not getting the best and the brightest. So it's definitely like a used car dealership where. Um, You know, if if you've gotten screwed over by one car salesman, then you've gotten screwed over by all of them because they're virtually all the same. So that's what I've noticed uh, with their their higher ups. They just rotate musical chairs, and that's how they really nominate each other and promote each other and things of that nature. And it, it's not really as ethical, and um, they're they're not giving us their best and brightest because it's still a bureaucracy, and so it's just the good old boy system strikes again. So I, I hope and pray that they work on that because I think that when you when you don't get new blood in there, then you're going to continue to have the same problems that you've always had. But here's the thing: when you do get new blood in there, so to speak, um, they're, they're going to ruffle some feathers, and that's exactly what should be done. Because you know what's interesting is that you know people that like the status quo they hate change because then they know their their position of power is threatened for whatever reason. So that's why a lot of these people they they just play musical chairs so that way okay you scratch my back I'll scratch yours. That has been happening in our federal government for decades and it has no purpose in this country. It it just it shouldn't be happening because that's not the American way. So under the deputy director, uh, the chief operating officer, you have the office of field operations. You have the Office of Human Resources and Professional Development. Um, you have Office of Management, Office of Enforcement Programs and Services. Who knows what that really means? Because they supposedly they're being trained, but they're still targeting Americans. So it's like, okay, you're not really going after the bad guys, right? Um, then there's the Office of Professional Responsibility and Security Operations. We've talked about those in times past. They also have an Office of Public and Governmental Affairs. They have an office of science and technology, and then they have an office of strategic intelligence and information. Obviously, they failed at that tremendously, especially with that Weaver guy. And they didn't care that they were lying about a, a U.S. citizen. They, they didn't care. 
Like it was easier to go after him than somebody way worse. So that's 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 where this stuff gets hurtful and it disappoints the American people because it's like okay, you know, the American people, you know, the majority of the citizens here in the United States are good kind people. They're loyal, they're faithful. Uh most people here in the United States are Christian. And so I think it's really sad when you have people in a federal agency that target people that, you know, they they're not prepared to be targeted. They're just not because they love their country and they're not the problem. <laughs> so it's kind of like where are they going to do kind of thing. Um, now this uh, agency does have field divisions. They have several of them across the United States in major cities, and the major cities are Atlanta, Georgia, Baltimore, Maryland, Boston, Massachusetts, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Illinois. That's a cesspool and a rat hole. Chicago has been corrupt for a long time. That's nothing new. Um, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Texas, very liberal, considering that supposedly in a Christian state. Yeah, that's bull. Uh, there are so many abortions that are done or that have been done. I don't know if they still do a whole bunch of them in Texas, but I mean, you know, these abortion clinics, you know, they're in college towns. They're not in these mom and pop towns or whatever. They're in college towns where people, you know, where kids go to lose their virginity basically, which is stupid because you should actually strive to preserve your, your purity and your chastity and your integrity. You know, but you know, that's just not how the United States is right now unfortunately, but you know, if you want to, you know, throw away your chastity and your charity, um uh, by all means, um our young people already do that. They go to college and they're proud of it. And it's like, wow, that's not something to be proud of. Um, it doesn't make you a man. It doesn't make you a woman. It makes you a skank, is what it makes you. Um, another field office is Denver, Colorado, Detroit, Michigan. The sad thing about Detroit, Michigan, is that uh, that's one of the places where uh, there is a really large car factoring industry up there. I don't know if they still have a plant up there or not, because a lot of plants have moved to, um, I think it's Mexico and Vietnam or something. And so a lot of Americans have lost jobs, but there were several car industry manufacturers up there in Michigan and Detroit, and Detroit has been a cesspool for a long time because um you know, a lot of their labor was controlled by labor unions and it probably still is. And so they just they just sucked it dry of the money. And you know, these labor unions, they don't understand supply and demand, they don't understand currency, they don't understand inflation, and because of that, they ruined Detroit, Michigan. um they caused the auto industry to suffer several times but yet they got a bell out i think like two or three of them from the federal government basically our tax dollars went to these jerks um that were just overspending their own money and didn't care that they hurt the american people and basically stole our money stole our tax dollars and then don't even have the guts or the the integrity to pay that money back to the american people I don't know if they have paid any of it back, but we should not be bailing out companies like this. This too big to fail line, that's bull. No one is too big to fail. No one. And you know, you know, the American taxpayer is not responsible for someone else's failures. Like we are not someone else's personal piggy bank. But that is exactly what happened in Detroit, Michigan. It's very disturbing. Also unfortunately in Michigan they've got a nut up there there's a woman I think she's still their governor she looks like Cruella DeVille <laughs> her really dark hair and her red lips um she's a nut she was a nut during COVID-19 and um she just doesn't understand how the economy works but then again she's democrat 
Another thing unfortunate with Michigan is they have a large Muslim population up there and I'm not against Muslims not by any means so I've met some really kind Muslims over the years but the Muslims that are up there um they have done everything they can to take over different cities and towns and make it so that city councils and things like that are predominantly Muslim and a lot of them want Sharia law. Well Sharia law is a horrible law that is very oppressive and deplorable to women and children. So isn't it interesting that Muslims come over here to have a better life, to escape the very law that was hurting them and their families. But then when they get over here, they want to implement the very thing that was hurting and harming them. Makes no sense to me. So that's why I don't vote for Muslims. I mean the risk is too great. I mean they can love America, they can make a lot of money here, but When it comes to religion, you cannot separate them from their faith. You just cannot. And the Muslim religion is really a cult. And the way that you know that it is a cult is because of how it treats women and children. Like in Sharia law, they have mercy killings. Did you know that they only um they only do mercy killings on on women? They don't do that to men. They don't. Like a man can sleep around outside of wedlock but a woman oh that no oh, that's the death sentence for her. See under Sharia law a woman can be beaten to death and be given you know be basically be executed just like how a serial killer would receive a an execution. See that that's 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 called a theocracy. That's why in this country we have separation of church and state. I mean, I am a born-again Christian believer, you know, but I have noticed that within Christianity, whenever you, whenever you get extremely religious, it actually is not. Um, when somebody gets extremely religious within Christianity, to me, they are not a man or a woman after God's own heart, because God is not for hurting or harming people, but cults are. So that's why we have to, you know, just be aware of that and understand that under, under Sharia law. There is no separation of church and state. There is no separation of church and state under that. That's why it's called a theocracy. That's why a lot of these mullahs or whatever over in the Middle East, that's why they have so much control over so many people. It's because they suppress, suppress, oppress, oppress, and they are horrible to women. Horrible. Like they stone their women to death over there. It's brutal. And it's just like whoa. I mean just unbelievable. So I just find it really odd that we have allowed different religions to basically take place here in the United States that actually violate our laws and they actually endanger human life. You know, we do have the right to practice whatever religion we want, but here's the thing. Your rights to practice your religion stop basically at the end of your nose basically like like you can't interfere with me practicing my faith and you can't endanger my life or someone else's life just because of your religion or your cult or your sect whatever this you know whatever the case may be but with sharia law and these very extreme you know kind of i guess theocracies and these very religious people that are just so extreme you have to be careful with that kind of thinking because there is no freedom in that You know, God promises us freedom in the Bible. And you know, what's interesting is that whenever mankind says, "Oh, we understand it. We, you know, we understand freedom 
and we're going to be religious. Guess what? You just became a Pharisee or a Sadducee, and you just hindered freedom for for everybody. See, there's some people they think that based on their religion, that they have the right to hinder someone else's rights, and that <laughs> that's that's not what God says at all, and that's not what our Constitution says at all. So I wish that more Christians would wake up to this, because I meet a lot of Christians that don't act like they're Christian. I think that if the Christian church behaved better, we would have a way better country, and we would get back to our roots and get back to our founding. Because you know what's interesting is that when our founding fathers founded、um, the United States of America, there were already several different types of religions being practiced here in the United States, but they did not harm other people. So you know, there's not a problem necessarily. With these different denominations within Christianity, it's the individual people and how they think, and how they give themselves permission to do what, whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and that that's not that's not right. That's lawlessness. And God, our Heavenly Father, is not for lawlessness. God is very clear: Hey, obey my law, and also whatever wherever you live, you need to obey the laws of the land as long as those laws do not violate my laws. See, that's the one true faith, and that's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, more people, especially Christians, can wake up to that.、Um, another field office for ATF is Houston, Texas. Oh, let's see here. Next one is Kansas City, Missouri, Los Angeles, California. You know what's really sad about Los Angeles, California? They have such a huge、um, homeless population, and it's just declining their city. And what's interesting is that you know Los Angeles. That's Spanish for the angels, so it's heavenly, right? But Los Angeles, California, is very liberal. It's very、uh, progressive, and it's very Democrat. So they're not very religious. They believe in gay marriage. They they completely support, or a lot of them support. I shouldn't say completely, because I don't know every single citizen in Los Los Angeles, California. But there's just this common mindset out there that the LGBTQ community. You know, it's like they're untouchable and they can do whatever they want. I don't even think so. The LGBTQ community is a very dangerous community, and I don't mean in terms of violence. I mean in their their own theology, because they want anybody and everybody to just completely accept what they think, say, and do as legit and true, and it's not. You know, the LGBTQ community has a lot of problems in mental health as well as within their sexuality. So, being that they have a lot of issues, especially in those two realms that are very important, and they need help with those things for sure, we should not be caving in to their agenda. We should be believing in the United States. But whenever you you cave into people that are that are abnormal and don't understand、um, biology or anatomy, and they don't understand that when a minor is a minor, you know. You can't be having sex with minors, you know. When they don't understand that, that means we've got a big problem, and that is a big problem within the LGBTQ community, whatever alphabet they want to use. It's a problem with them because that community, especially homosexual men, they want to lower the age of consent so that way they can have sex with minors and not go to jail and be prosecuted And be labeled a pedophile, and they don't. Of course, they don't want to be on the registered sex offenders list, but they should be, because I think if you're wanting to have sex with a minor, whether you're gay, straight, or sexually confused, you've got a big problem.
big problem. In our society, you know, we have a responsibility to protect minors. You know, as adults, anyone over the age of 18 is an adult. So that means that anyone over the age of 18 has a civic responsibility. There's also a Christian responsibility to protect the young, to protect the vulnerable, especially from I would say sexually promiscuous people and from um disturbed adults that are very sexually driven. You know, we are supposed to protect our children from things like that, but you know, the LGBTQ community they just want everybody to think that what they think say and do is normal, it's okay, and they should never be held accountable. I don't think so. You know, you know what's interesting is that if we had a bunch of straight guys that are like in their 40s or 50s, like these fat pig slobs, you know, let's say you have a bunch of men that look like that, you know, if if they came out of the woods basically, I'm not saying they all live in the woods, but I'm just saying like if they came out of the woodwork and said, "Oh, we should legally be able to have sex with your 12-year-old daughters." What do you think would be the response of this country? But yet look at what the LGBTQ community wants to do especially homosexual men. Men, not boys, homosexual men. They want your children, not the girls. They want the boys. And if you want an example of this, look to the Catholic Church. I mean, if it's wrong for a priest um to be a pedophile, and to um sodomize a child then then it's wrong for the LGBTQ community to do that to children but what's weird is that Los Angeles California the angels okay they don't see anything wrong with what that community thinks says or does and they have parades for them they have all these dot orgs they have all these foundations i mean it's just like You know, why are we not protecting minors? I don't understand that. I just don't get it like it used to be considered deviant behavior for any adult to target children. And see, here's what I've said this before, here's what people don't realize is that if you cave into what the lgbtq community wants to do and they want to legalize their sexual activity especially with minors then how are the police ever going to be able to investigate arrest and then how are you know how are prosecutors supposed to ever be able to take someone to court criminal court and prosecute them for a crime that was committed when the crime you know when you legalize it I mean you know that's the thing like don't bind law enforcement's hands on stuff like this you know you have to be careful in what you believe in and what you vote for and what's really sad is a lot of liberals and progressives like the nuttier they are the more they hate the police like I don't hate anybody I dislike bad cops and dirty cops But bad cops and dirty cops are few and far between because the majority of law enforcement they're usually pretty good people. I mean normally. But here's the thing, if you make certain sexual acts legal that should not be legal and then they start to happen, 
I mean, and then you get rid of your your police force, like what's happened on the west coast a little bit, like in Seattle and some other places. You know, you're you're going down a path of lawlessness and that's not right. It's not right. So Los Angeles, you know, your the name of your city is the Angels. I think you need to start acting more Christian, and I don't mean Bible thumper crazy Christian because I can't stand that. But I think you need to start having more morals and values and just you know really focus on what God wants you to do. Because we know that, you know, the further away we get from God, the worse our country gets. Because we are one nation under God. We are not one nation under homosexuals. We are not one nation under LGBTQ community. We are one nation under God. See what a lot of people don't realize is that whatever you worship becomes what you praise, and whatever you worship becomes your god. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, your your politics or your sexuality or an agenda or maybe, you know, you go to the mall too much or things like that or maybe you you spend too much time on social media. Whatever you, you know, predominantly give your attention to, basically that's what you're worshiping. And here's the thing, you should only be worshiping God. No one else. Because whenever people start worshiping something else, whether it's a pagan god or just something stupid or whatever, you're going to have problems in your life, in your family, in your community, in your state, and in your country. And that is exactly what is happening a lot around this, you know, a lot in the United States. And I hope and pray that more people wake up to this. Cuz there's, you know, there's one thing I know about my heavenly father, he is always forgiving and always loving and he always gives people a second, third, fourth, fifth, so many chances to come back to him. And I think America needs to go back to God and put him first. Cuz putting all these agendas first is just ripping our country apart and we're not as unified as we used to be. Like I remember back in the 80s because I'm a 80s baby. The 80s were awesome. I, you know, we were a unified country, we were a unified nation. I mean, we had Democrats and Republicans here in Oklahoma, but it wasn't like this hatred. Then it's like Clinton got in office stupidly twice. and it's just like you know we just kind of started going downhill since then i mean we had we've had a couple uh, republican presidents since then but what people don't realize is that whenever you get a democrat in office it usually takes a decade or two to correct the stupid stuff that a democrat does and that's just how it is because sometimes democrats do a lot of damage to our country to our economy i don't like that but that's just what I've noticed and I'm only 39. And I'm not even an attorney. So, I mean, it's just to me it's just common sense just paying attention to what's going on in your community and your state and in your country. But anyway, um another field office for these people, the ATF is uh Louisville, Kentucky, Miami, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, New Orleans, Louisiana, New York City, Newark, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Phoenix, Arizona, Salt Lake City, Utah, San Francisco, California. Okay, San Francisco, you've become a dirty cesspool because you've allowed the homeless to just take over everything. You have not addressed the homeless population. 
Now, from what I understand, you've also become a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants, especially those that have committed crimes, whether violent or nonviolent. Uh, San Francisco, um, you know, your your name is San Francisco. It's Saint Francisco. So Christian name, right? So you need to start acting Christian. I think San, uh, San Francisco started going downhill. when uh, more and more homosexuals moved out there and kind of took it over. So look at what's happening in San Francisco. It it's not um it's not predominantly um heterosexual anymore. Um I feel sorry for people that live out there that are heterosexuals and are married and have kids and it's just like okay, um you just have to be careful with with you know what's being taught in your schools. You have to be taught uh what your kid so you have to be careful um what your kids are exposed to. You know, what's interesting is that there is an interview I saw was, was it 5 years ago or something? It wasn't recent, but there is this lady she was being interviewed about how the homeless population just exploded out there in San Francisco and um you know, she's born and raised in San Francisco. I think she's like in her 40s or 50s or something. She said, "You know, I was born and raised here and this city never looked like this." She she just said, "You know, My city used to be beautiful and now it's turning to garbage and trash. I mean, that that just broke my heart for her. Because it's like, okay, you have a beautiful city and it's just going to crap because of what the liberals and progressives and the democrats are doing and what they want to do. Like, you know, what's interesting is that democrats and progressives and liberals, they make all these promises to help people with social reform and social like welfare programs and they don't actually help. All it does is authorize your government to collect more money, but the money doesn't actually go towards what it's supposed to go to. And then when it does go towards what it's supposed to go to, the money is not spent wisely. Like there's so much fraud and waste and mismanagement of money. So it's really quite sad, makes no sense. The next field office is Seattle, Washington. Then we have uh St. Paul, Minnesota, Tampa, Florida, and Washington DC. And they also have field offices in different countries such as Canada, Mexico, El Salvador, Colombia, Iraq, and in the Caribbean. So, moving on to the regulation of firearms, it says the ATF is responsible for regulating firearm commerce in the United States. The bureau issues federal firearms licenses to sellers and conducts firearms licensee and um, licensee inspections. The bureau is also involved in programs aimed at reducing gun violence in the United States by targeting and arresting violent offenders, violent offenders who unlawfully possess firearms. Well, we know that's a lie because they've been targeting uh civilians. <laughs> they've been targeting just everyday people, not actually the people um uh, that are the problem. Um there's a there's a section that talks about firearms tracing and firearms ballistic tracing and they have like a, a a way of following the breadcrumbs so to speak and I just wonder really how good they are at that considering that they're targeting regular everyday Americans and then there was that you know some of those operations that completely failed uh, during Obama's time his regime um was it fast and furious i think it was named after one of those movies or something and then too hot to handle or something it was just dumb it's like wow you definitely have a lot of frat guys in charge of that agency if they're calling their operations fast and furious and some of these others that are ridiculous 
Um, in terms of regulation of explosives, this I found to be interesting. So it says, with the passage of the Organized Crime Control Act, also known as OCCA in 1970, ATF took over the regulation of explosives in the United States, as well as prosecution of persons engaged in criminal acts involving explosives. One of the most notable investigations successfully conducted by ATF agents was the tracing of the vehicle used in the World Trade Center 1993 bombings which led to the arrest of persons involved in the conspiracy. So what's interesting is that the World Trade Center um, was attacked again and they didn't really catch those people. So that's a problem. Um it says ATF also enforces provisions of the Safe Explosives Act uh passed after 9/11 to restrict the use or possession of explosives without a federal license to use them. ATF is considered to be the leading federal agency in most bombings that occur within the United States and that does, that sentence doesn't really make sense. But basically um the ATF um is the leading agency that looks into things like this and they actually have um recovery procedures after a bombing and things of that nature. So they're the ones that go in and investigate. I just wonder really how good they are with that because You know, 9/11 could have been prevented. There were so many things that fell through the cracks um because of these federal agencies, um different ones whether it's the FBI or police or ATF or whatever the case may be or even immigration. I mean, here's the thing, like there were so many clues and there were so many warnings and um our military failed, the Pentagon failed, the federal government failed, several agencies failed, and you know, this is what happens when you have you know the wrong people in charge of these federal agencies for a really long time and it's just they care more about the status quo and they care more about preserving the bureaucracy as opposed to doing what's right so 911 could have totally been prevented like 911 didn't just happen overnight like it took time to plan all that and it took time to implement it it was very well orchestrated but even so There were so many people that did not do their job to protect the United States. So, our government completely failed uh, the American people on that. Let me get a drink of water. Hold on just a moment. Okay, so moving on. Let's see here in terms of their directors. They've had quite a few, and the majority of them have been acting directors because um they can't always decide um who to approve to be in charge because there's kind of been a conflict of interest for a while which is interesting in itself but the first one was Rex D Davis um he was the director of the ATF from 1970 to 1978 next one was G R Dickerson he was in office uh or sorry not in office but the director excuse me now I got the hiccups he was the director uh from 1979 to 1982 Then we have Stephen Higgins. He was the director from 1982 to 1993. Then you have John McGall. I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name, but he was the director from 1993 to 1999. Then you have Bradley Buckles. He was the director from 1999 to 2004. Then you have Edgar A. I think it's Dominich. Um let's see here. He was the acting director in 2004. Then you have Carl Truscott, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He was the director from 2004 until 2006. Then we have Edgar A. 
Dominic, however you pronounce his last name. He's the second-time acting director. He was the acting director in 2006. Then we have Michael Sullivan. He was the acting director from 2006 until 2009. Then you have, and by the way, no relation there, not that I'm aware of. Um, then we have Ronald Ronnie A. Carter. He was the acting director in 2009. Then you have... Kenneth E. Melson, he was the acting director from 2009 until 2011. Then you have, let's see here. Um you have B. Todd Jones. He was the acting director or I say he, could have been a she. It just just tells me B. Todd Jones. Um they were the acting director from 2011 until 2013 and then I guess they were the actual director from 2013 until 2015. Then you have Um, let's see here. You have Thomas Brandon. Um, he was the ATF deputy director and the acting director um, from 2015 to 2019. Then you have Regina Lombardo. She was the ATF deputy director and then acting director from 2019 until 2021. Then we have the current director, which is Marvin Richardson, and he is the ATF deputy director and the acting director. Um, so. This is one of those things that you have to be careful who you put in charge and you know do they really have the integrity the morals and the values to be in charge of something as important as the ATF because you know the ATF again um had its beginnings going back to the IRS the Department of the Treasury which I think is stupid um I think that's where a lot of its corruption comes from that's probably where they get the nerve to ask for what was it 1.4 billion dollars yeah 1.4 billion dollars a year almost um very ridiculous there that's just sucking us dry of our tax dollars unfortunately um so this is a very interesting agency we do need them it's just i don't think we need as many uh employees in it and i don't think they should be spending 1.4 billion dollars I think that's ridiculous and that is a mistake. And um I think they need to do a better job of protecting the United States and not targeting um ordinary citizens. I think they need to actually go after bad people and follow the breadcrumbs, you know, follow follow where things lead you, but it's not going to be at a gun show. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be where legal citizens and where legal gun purchases take place. Um need to go where illegal and unlawful uh gun purchases take place. Cuz I've been to a couple gun shows in my life. I haven't been to one probably since my 20s and when I was there I was just looking around. I think it's like a combination like gun and boat show or something. And so I was looking around and you know, I didn't see anybody there at this gun show that I thought was shady, weird, didn't belong there. And this was in Oklahoma. Okay, so if anybody is going to buy a gun, it's going to be people that live in Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, you know. Um, yeah, so you know, we Oklahomans, um, we can spot shady, shifty people pretty quick. Um, and, and you know, at this gun show, I didn't really see anyone that looked odd. Everything looked legit. Um, the gun shop owners were super nice. They were not against women buying guns. In fact, they were for them. uh because they want to make sure that women are protected and these gun shop owners are not just there to make a bunch of money off of women buyers it's not like a a car salesman not by any means because the these gun shop owners um at least the ones i met they are not going to sell you something that you cannot handle or that is not appropriate for you or your life or your lifestyle like they actually take into consideration 
you know, what can you handle or what can you not handle? You know, that kind of thing. So I appreciate that and that tells me they have honesty and integrity. So for the ATF to be targeting your know, ordinary citizens and to be bothering gun shop owners and things like that, it's like, you know, gun shop owners, they go through so much anyway, like with regulations and licensing and requirements. I mean, it's you know, buying and selling guns is not as easy as it used to be. You know, it's you know, it's interesting is that the more the government cracks down on stuff in regards to um guns and weapons and things of that nature, they just aim it at the at the public, at at law-abiding citizens. <laughs> like they're not really going after people that are breaking the law. So that's really it's dumb. <laughs> it makes me laugh cuz I'm like, what else is new with our government? You know, they You know, the easier target is the people that are actually obeying the law and then they set them up for failure, they entrap them. And that's what happened with that Weaver guy and unfortunately, um his son and his wife were murdered. So, um yeah, so that's why we have to be careful about these agencies who's in charge of them. And we you know, we do need to be aware of the American people as well as the House, the Senate, Um they need to be aware of what is going on in these agencies especially when they are spending billions of dollars a year. You know, it's not just a couple thousand. It's it's billions and this is per year. So that is a serious issue with that. Um because I think that is excessive. Um because all they're really doing is they they're policing people that actually obey the law. <laughs> yeah. They're not going after the bad people. <laughs> I find that funny because I'm just like You know, it it's like how to describe this. Well, to me, and I'll close with this. To me, the the stupidity of the ATF is like them having a gun raid um or raiding a country club. You know, just regular everyday Americans um that are playing golf and tennis. <laughs> just making their life a living hell. Like, you know, Unlawful activities are typically not at country club type places. It's just not, <laughs> you know, like you're targeting the middle class and the upper middle class and you're targeting rich people <laughs> and you're claiming that they're the drug dealers and the gun smugglers. I don't think so. <laughs> It just makes me laugh. I'm just like, "Oh my gosh." Like, um Thugs don't go to country clubs because they would stand out. You know what I mean? Like they they would look odd. So, um, but anyway, I just find that uh funny because, you know, one of the controversies in regards to the ATF is that um, you know, prior to um some more legislation being passed that kind of helped the ATF uh, get or have some type of alignment and some type of ethics. Um the ATF was going after people's collectors. They they're going after their their antiques. <laughs> yeah, they were going after their these these citizens private possessions. <laughs> they weren't actually going after um unlawful or illegal possessions. They were going after the expensive goods. <laughs> so it's like, wow. <laughs> um that's like the IRS going after um someone that actually owns a nice car and saying, "Oh, we just want your nice car. You don't deserve to have that." I mean, it and you'd be surprised how many IRS investigations are started by um IRS agents that have problems with greed. And, you know, there's this really good show I've talked about before. It's called American Greed. It's one of my favorite shows. I love it. 
And it catches um it talks about people that commit white collar crimes. Every once in a while there's a murder or something, but it's mostly white collar crimes. And um what's interesting is how many um foreigners come to America and they have these Ponzi schemes and then they get on the show American Greed. I'm like that's not American Greed if they're from Russia. <laughs> that's Russian Greed. But anyway, um there's this one episode I've never forgotten this. There's this one guy um he he had a Ponzi scheme whatever going on. Uh, a rich white guy or whatever. And um he was driving like a really nice, I'll just make this up like a Ferrari, like some kind of fancy sports car and a IRS agent was driving to or from work or something and was behind this Ferrari um and at a traffic light and the IRS agent was like, "Hmm, do they really deserve that car?" So they were eyeballing this guy. They saw that he was kind of cocky, whatever. and um they didn't think he deserved to drive that car and so this IRS agent wrote down um the license plate of this Ferrari of this guy that owned it and he looked it up and he started investigating this guy like he started an investigation without any evidence <laughs> it's like wow targeting someone it's just that this IRS agent actually happened to hit the jackpot because this guy actually was a bad businessman and doing unethical illegal things And I was like, "Whoa, but what does that tell you about the IRS? Like, here they are running people's plates based on you don't deserve that car. I don't think you deserve to live there." So they're running people's plates, they're running people's addresses, and you if they have their uh, their SSN number, like their social security number, then they're running that too. Like they're not actually conducting investigations based on evidence. So they're targeting people. And every once in a while they had a jackpot and unfortunately I can't stand this whenever they had a jackpot they actually find someone that actually did break the law and was breaking the law then they use that as an excuse oh we should do even more policing because what we did was right actually it was not I mean kudos to you Mr. IRS agent or whatever for catching that guy but you know the the beginnings of that investigation were were not ethical and then it gets worse folks you know let me let me get drink a water hold on just a second so get this so this IRS agent saw that this guy is cocky drives a nice car he goes i want to basically he wants to entrap him so and um, what this IRS agent does is he he recruits a female IRS agent that's like hot or whatever like extremely good looking and she somehow manages to go on a date with this guy that owns the ferrari and he starts bragging to her but he doesn't know that she's a irs agent or whatever and he starts bragging to her about his possessions all this stuff you you're being the cocky guy that's what cocky men do even if they're not <laughs> unlawful citizens or whatever um well he didn't know that she was a you know basically a law enforcement type of individual with irs or maybe the fbi i think she was irs and um based off of what he said um they were able to investigate him even more and eventually he got arrested and went to jail and i just felt i kind of felt sorry for him because i was like you know what if you hadn't been driving your fancy car through that intersection with the irs behind you and if you hadn't gone out with that hot chick who really was never interested in you to begin with Um and if you had not opened your big fat mouth and bragged about your possessions and your and your business this guy probably would have never been caught like he would have never gone to jail <laughs> I just find that funny 
But I just think it's hilarious because, you know, the IRS, <laughs> you know, this is why, this is a perfect example why the IRS was used initially and throughout time for the, um, for the legalization and the taxation and the law enforcement arm of the alcohol, ta- tobacco, firearms and explosives sales and crimes and things like that because the IRS Um, they they have no problems in trapping anyone, and they will totally set you up. Like they made this guy think, oh my goodness, that he was on a hot date with this woman, <laughs> and here she is. She can arrest him and has handcuffs, but not for the bedroom. It's to take him to jail. <laughs> I just busted out laughing at that episode because it was just so funny. I just felt sorry for the guy. I was like, oh, man, that poor crook. I, I mean, yes, he should go to jail. I think he's probably out of jail by now because that was several years ago, this episode or whatever. But, you know, I just thought it was funny. I just thought it was so funny. But, you know, here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, um, be careful about the cars that you drive. And then, um, you know, let me say this to the men folk that are listening in to my podcast. Love you very much. Um, let me just tell you that if a woman hits on you and she looks like you know she's out of your league, she probably is, and you should be suspicious of her. Like, you know, I'm not saying you can't go out with her or anything, or that you shouldn't go out with her, but you know, you need to do a background check on her and make sure she's not like the FBI or something. Or and also, you know, like, you know, make sure she's not with ATF because ATF, like for example, with that Weaver guy, they totally lied about him. They made up basically a police record and then passed it around from agency to agency, you know, just to solidify it and make it legit. And it wasn't legit. And then his son and his wife got killed. So, you know, you need to be careful about dating law enforcement because I've dated a couple of law enforcement guys. Oh, man, I'm so glad we didn't date hardly any at all. And um, I'm so glad I didn't marry a, 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 a law enforcement person. It, it's just they... They see crime everywhere, and that's stupid. And it's like they—it's like they're always on the hunt, and I can't stand that. And they bother people. They target people. I'm like, that's not right. It's just not—it's no bueno, as they say. It's no bueno. But anyway, do check out American Greed. It's an awesome show. I love it. I love that stuff. Oh, I did want to mention this. Um, we did launch a new podcast as well called The After Show. And the reason why we launched that podcast, and we are creating a YouTube channel for it. We've had some problems with uploading a video. I think it's, um, or my first episode, which is technically a video as well. Um, we've had some problems uploading the first video because I think it's our internet connection. Whenever the winds pick up here in Oklahoma, sometimes we have down power lines and things of that nature. And so it's taking like hours to upload a video. And it normally takes like 10, 15 minutes. So I know there's something going on with that. But we did launch a new podcast that you can hear just like this one. It's called The After Show. And the reason why we created that podcast was because we noticed that there's only so many things that we can fit in into one episode um, with the endurance of labor laws. And sometimes the things we discuss and things that come up um, within this podcast, um, we need to be... Not not concerned, but you know there are certain topics that they need to stay in their place. So sometimes things come up in our podcast that's like, okay, that's not really relevant completely to the show, or maybe it's not relevant to the genre. So we kind of wanted to have um, 
another show that talks about the things that do come up in this show, but it's just not it's not the exact same format. So we kind of want to have a little bit more freedom because this show, nothing against this show, it's great. We love it. We founded it, you know, started it and all that stuff and I created it and I'm the host, all that good stuff, but you know, this show is very targeted in terms of what we talk about, right? So like for example, you know this podcast we talk about labor unions, trade unions, we talk about different federal agencies, um rules, laws, regulations, like that's very specific, right? You know, but sometimes you know funny things come up in the podcast and so we thought, well, we'll move some of those things over to the after show so that way these episodes of the endurance of labor laws are not like 2 or 3 or 4 hours long because we do try and keep these short, but it's hard to do that sometimes. because of the material that we cover and i say this uh with with gentleness on this because here's the thing we do try and keep our podcast episodes to 20 or 30 minutes but they are hardly ever 20 or 30 minutes because there's so much information to go over with these topics and so i just felt that it would be wrong to cherry pick um you know to cherry pick just certain things and only talk about that when discussing like a large federal agency like this and not really go into details because i think that if you're going to discuss something you you need to discuss all of it at least as as much of it as you can and you need to present the facts and you need to just say it like it is so being that this show is very pinpoint it's very precise um we wanted to discuss kind of more free range material so to speak on our other show which is called the after show i kind of look at it as like you know the late night show or maybe the daily show like something that you know john stewart used to do so it's it's not always so precise but it's more like a more easy going news broadcast show so do check that out and we are working on our youtube channel with getting that one launched it's just going through approval and you know having internet issues with that Uh, but do check out the podcast itself because we are doing um video and audio. So the audio will always be available to you first before we do the video because uploading videos um are just a bit tedious or just a little more tedious. It's not I don't mean that negatively, but it just takes a few more steps and sometimes it takes longer because those files tend to be larger with video. Um it's like when you're listening to a song on the radio as opposed to watching a movie right like there's more data involved uh with a video as opposed to audio but do check us out on that oh and we do have an email address um for the after show as well um it is the after show 2023@gmail.com and then also if you want to contact us for the endurance of labor laws it is your labor laws at gmail.com so do check us out or email us with that if you have any questions or concerns or comments Also do check out our YouTube video um the endurance of labor laws and uh, you know subscribe hit the notification bell and comment let us know what you like what you don't like you know those kinds of things because we do love to hear from you, you know, every once in a while someone drops me a weird line um and it's usually someone that's marxist <laughs> and they don't agree with what we're saying <laughs> and I'm like well you need to look to your um what what you have been indoctrinated in basically like if you think communism is great then move to china because it's not that great but that's where communism is um if you think marxism is great um there are plenty of you know not so good countries right now on the face of this earth that are very much behaving in a marxist manner and um you know if if you want to be broke and have a tyrannical government 
um then be marxist but if you do not want to be broke and if you do not want a tyrannical government then do not be marxist you need to be capitalist and you need to be republican because unfortunately the democratic party they used to be normal i i don't think they're normal anymore i feel sorry for democrats because you know Democrats didn't used to be so illogical, bizarre, weird, tyrannical. Um but whenever they um whenever their party basically got taken over um by liberals and progressives, that's when I kind of feel like, you know, just your normal everyday Democrats, it's like they don't have a party anymore. You know, they they've kind of been shooed to the side by these very aggressive nutbags and so, you know, let me say this to my Democrat listeners, If you're frustrated with your party, I understand, but come over to the Republican Party because there are more and more Democrats that are sick and tired of the crap, excuse me, the the not so good stuff that's going on um in our country and within the Democratic Party and so they're coming over to the Republican Party and they're realizing it's not that bad. <laughs> like, you know, we we actually do believe in you. Like we're we're really not so different. Um in fact, we have more in common than uncommon, so to speak. So just FYI be aware of that. Um but I will go ahead and end this podcast but as usual until next time I pray that you're happy healthy and whole that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week thank you so much god bless and bye bye Don't let this world go down